Good morning, everybody. Um, it is a beautiful, not really, it's not beautiful where I am at. Caleb, how are you doing this morning? I am great. How are you, Amanda? I'm good. The weather here is kind of uh, rainy and dreary, and it makes you want to stay inside and take a nap all day long. So how's the <laughs> weather where you are? It's actually um, sunny out here, but I think we're getting what you guys are getting tomorrow. So, um, oh boy. yeah, you know, still no snow yet. Um, although I will say when I lived in, you know, I grew up in Memphis and you love snow then because you got half an inch and then it was gone in, in a day living up here. You hate snow because it looks nice when it first falls. They don't really show what it looks, you know, they never show you the pictures of what it looked like three days after when the snow's still on the ground and it's being plowed and it's covered in, you know, just brown dirt and mush and so yeah pretty gross. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Knoxville's kind of like a, a transition to it I, I did live in Knoxville for a couple of years because Knoxville's it's in the mountains and it's a bit further north of Memphis so it's definitely a much colder climate than Memphis but not as cold as up here so yeah we get a lot of it that stops like on the plateau and then we don't get anything like oh, it all goes yeah. to like Cookville and they get covered and then oh they get like, snow squalls don't they the wind that yeah. blows the snow onto oh those are so dangerous <laughs> yep and it dissipates by the time it gets to knoxville okay so um let's start off the show with again sad news from yesterday coach mike leach passes away on monday night um affected a lot of people around college football I, and even like myself i was affected by it um just really sad because he was my favorite coach. Like I always said, I, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a Mississippi state fan, but I could listen to that man talk all day long. Um, loved his antics, loved everything about him, honestly. And just just college football is going to be a terrible, not terrible place, but it's a much worse place for him being gone. Um, there is now, however, talk about him being uh, getting in the Hall of Fame, not getting in the Hall of Fame. Um, I know we probably differ on, on this. Uh, what are your takes on whether or not Mike Leach should be in the Hall of Fame? This is hard for me to say, um, but no, he shouldn't. Um, and let, let me start out by saying a few things. Um, Mike Leach, when as a coach, I'm with you. If like I were an athletic director and I, Mike Leach would have been in my top three, no matter what, if I were ever hiring a new coach. I have great respect for the people he impacted, his coaching tree. Um, there's, and, and I think the idea that he shouldn't, if, if you're not going to put him in because you have that 60% winning percentage requirement, that's just stupid. Okay, and because college football uh, Hall of Fame requires coaches to win 60% of their games, that's a dumb criteria. But at the end of the day, in spite of all of that, more than anything, college football is about production. And I, I, I can't put a coach in the Hall of Fame who's never won a conference title and has two 11-win seasons and just one top 10 finish over the course of 23 years, I could listen to it from just Texas tech, but 
we Washington State and Mississippi State, it's not like what Mike Leach did there was unprecedented. Um, you know, Washington State is not Washington State is not far removed from going to the Rose Bowl under Ryan Leaf. Um, so it's not like what Mike Leach did at Washington State hadn't been done in recent history. It has. Um it's also at Mississippi State, I mean, let's be honest, didn't he was only there three years, but wasn't much better than his predecessor, Joe Moorhead. And Dan Mullen accomplished a lot more at Mississippi State. That's I know that's really unfair because he was there for just three years. But like it's not like winning nine games or eight games at Mississippi State is unprecedented either. Dan Mullen got them the number one in the country with Dak Prescott back in 2014. Jackie Sherrill led them to the SEC West Championship in 1998. Um, so it's it, it's so hard for me to say no, but I, 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 I do put production above everything else. And even relative to the schools he was at, I can't say the production was there to put him in the Hall of Fame. I, my, my standards are high. If you have to think about it, they're not in, in my standards. Yeah, Caleb's standards are definitely high. Um, I completely disagree with you, Caleb. I put Mike Leach in solely because of what he did for the game of football. He changed it, the the air raid. I mean, I, I can't I can't emphasize how much he changed the game and how great of a, a mind he was. And as you know, Joe uh pointed out that uh hold on sorry let me look leach should be in because of his coaching tree alone i agree with that i also definitely agree with that um he's the way his players played for him and the bad rep that he got over something that is considerably not true with the whole ESPN and everything that happened at Texas Tech. I I just think that he deserves – I think he changed the game for the better, and I think he deserves to be in, you know, in the Hall of Fame. And I know we say that Mississippi State is still – even if Dan Mullen – when Dan Mullen was there, he had Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I don't know of many Mississippi State quarterbacks that are as successful as Dak Prescott is, and maybe once in a for at least for Mississippi State, once in a lifetime type talent for Mississippi State. You know, and and Dan Mullen had that, and as we've seen, Dan Mullen went to Florida and did absolutely nothing. So I don't know if I would necessarily credit that to Dan Mullen, or if I would credit that more to Dak Prescott. Well. Before Dak Prescott, though, Dan Mullen went 9-4 and four in Mississippi State in 2010, um, which is the best Mike Leach would have done at Mississippi State in three years. That was Mullen's second year. We also have to remember Jackie Sherrill with Wayne Matkin at quarterback went 8 and – it was 8-5 and five, but won the West in 98 and then went 10-2 and two in 99. So, you know – if, if we're talking coaching tree, it, see, this is where it gets a little bit tricky, Amanda, because then we have to, if we're going to bring in Mike Leach, we're going to have to bring in Hal Mummy, who was the head coach where Mike Leach served as offensive coordinator at Valdosa State, Iowa Wesleyan, and Kentucky. They developed the air raid, and no one's going to put Hal Mummy in the College Football Hall of Fame. And so I, I, 
you know, he didn't have Mike Leach's level of success. I, I would give you that. But if we're, you know, I think the baseline for the Hall of Fame has to start with level of success relative to your programs. And while Mike Leach had success relative to his programs, and I believed in Mike Leach's offense enough to that, I, like I said, I would hire him. It's kind of like the debate about the college football playoff for me. I don't put in the four best teams that I think would beat anybody else below them. I put in the four teams that I think have the best body of work throughout the year. And 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 I I, I go there with Mike Leach. I, I, I just don't think his body of work – I do the same with players. There are some players that I – would put that, that I wouldn't put in the Hall of Fame that I think are better than players who are in the Hall of Fame. Um, I think Donovan McNabb was a better quarterback than Kurt Warner. I'm not putting Donovan McNabb in the Hall of Fame. Kurt Warner belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, and so it, I, I think just, I think the two MVPs count and then the Super Bowl, obviously. So things like that, just baseline things matter to a certain degree with production. And I, I, I just, there's not enough for me for Mike Leach. I see. I, I just, I, I, again, I, I disagree. I think he did so much for football and the fact that he didn't even play it is, is something that I think he should be in the hall of fame for. He played rugby. He never even played football. I mean, he was a lawyer and decided, Hey, you know, this is cool. Uh, I like this game. Let me, let me be an advocate for this game. So I think that he was, just the way that he influenced the game of, of college football. I think he belongs in, in the hall of fame and, and the personality that he was, he's an old school coach. You know, I saw a quote from him saying that he would uh, bring in a big, a big gulp of ice water into the meetings and they would turn up the heat in the room so that the players had to struggle to stay awake. And then if one of them fell asleep, he poured it on their heads. Like he said, and I did that numerous times. I just, I think that he is the epitome of the old school kind of coaching, the old school kind of football. And I just like, yeah, his story. Thank you, Joe. His story is Hall of Fame worthy. Like everything yeah. that he was and everything that he is, you know, what he meant to college football. I think that he deserves to be in that. Cause I, again, I know you have a really high standards and, and I have high standards, but I guess coming from, I don't know if it's just the female in me, but the, the story to me puts him in there over others. The, the, the differences that he has versus everybody else, the, the type of personality that he was. It's not all about, for me, statistics. And it's not all about, you know, um, what you can see on paper and what can, you can see as a as a coach. It's, it's about how he impacted the game as a whole. And I think he changed it. So if you want to talk about changing it in the impact in the coaching tree, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give it somewhat of a listen. But like I said, it, that brings me back. If we put him in for that, then we have to put Hal Mummy in. Because, again, the coaching tree starts with Hal Mummy, not Mike Leach. Mummy's the one who developed the air raid. He's the one who was the head coach that Mike Leach work, worked under. And that that that's that's where I'm at my stopping point, is that none of us are putting Hal Mummy in the Hall of Fame. And if we're not going to put him in the Hall of Fame, we can't put Leach in for this coaching tree because it doesn't start with him. Um, it, it's, it would almost be like, uh, if Kirby smart develops a coaching tree, 
acting like that that tree doesn't start with Nick Saban, because it does. Um, and so it's, you know, anything that Kirby Smart does, any coach that is successful under him is an offshoot of the coaching tree Nick Saban started. Um, and so that's that's where I am with Leach, with Mike Leach and Hal Mummy too. See, I... It depends, I think. I think it depends if Kirby Smart tweaks it a bit. If Kirby Smart makes it a little different than or more successful than Saban did. But you can't make it more successful than Saban has because Saban's the most successful coach in college football. So I I don't think there's anybody that has just completely changed, you know, the game and Saban has. But I think they've taken bits and pieces from others and, and put them together and and that's how you change the game. I don't think you just come up with some, you know, just huge schemes that would just make the game completely different. Because, I mean, let's face it, everybody's come up with the same thing. It's just how you execute it. And I think that Mike Leach executed it way better. Well, he, he, I wouldn't say he executed it better than Mommy. I think he got different opportunities than Mommy. Um, but, um, I get your point with that, but uh, you know, honestly, on a side note, Kirby Smart's actually where he's where he's tweaking it from. Um, Smoky Mountain Red, I just want to respond because he did just say level of success from Mummy to Leech is different. The, and I, I I get you on that, Smoky Mountain Red. I get that the level of success was different, but if we're talking about level of success, body of work, then we go back to body of work and level of success. And the level of success on its own doesn't get Leech into the Hall of Fame. Um, now, as the, just on an interesting side note, it's funny because we're talking about Kirby Smart versus Nick Saban. Where Kirby Smart tweaked it from Nick Saban, Kirby Smart is running Georgia like Nick Saban used to run Alabama like 10 years ago. And I think that's kind of the intriguing thing is that he's not – he's running a very simple, simplistic, conservative, pro-style offense, whereas Nick Saban's kind of embraced elements of the spread and been a little more tempo-based. And, like, Kirby Smart is running out Georgia like – the way Nick Saban ran Alabama in 2011 when Jim McElwain was his offensive coordinator. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I, look, this is not, I, I want, I want people to know, understand this is not a slight on leech at all. I'm going to be honest. I, I, I'm not sure Philip Fulmer deserves to be in the hall of fame, the college football hall of fame. You know, it, it's, it's, I've got like, I've got really high standards for the hall of fame. And, and I'm like, you know, cha changing the game can be a factor, but level of success still has to matter. And I, I guess Fulmer's in because of level of success, but you're right. He didn't, he didn't change the game at all. Like Fulmer didn't change the, anything about college football. So, um, you know. See, Fulmer was a politician and Mike Leach, what you, what you saw is what you got with Mike Leach, which I feel is, is so refreshing. And I feel like that is, should, should take precedent over, a lot of the whole statistics and all that stuff. He made college football much better for being in it. Did Philip Fulmer make college football much better for being in it? No. no. Yes. I I, no, I, I would agree with you on that. Um, uh, just a quick throw out, Joe Fowler, you do have a point with Johnny Majors. Um, I think there's an argument for Johnny Majors in the Hall of Fame as a coach. He is in as a player. He got in in 1987. Um, he... Um, but yes, he's not in as a coach, but I would say if Fulmer was going to be in the Hall of Fame, Major should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. They have the same number of national championships. Major's coached a Heisman winner at Pittsburgh. So um, I, I'll look that up, Amanda, if you, in a second. 
I'll look it up. But I, I thought he wasn't as a coach too, but I could be wrong on that. But, you know, yeah, even Smoky Mountain Red said it's a thin line on Leach getting in. My thing is if it's a thin line, then we're like, that's when I, you know, once, once the line is blurred, I'm out. I'm like, no Hall of Fame. And there's a Hall of Very Good. And then there's a Hall of Fame. Hall of Very Good. Yes. I get this from... You're going to lose your mind on this and your head's going to explode, Amanda, because I saw you on Twitter the other day and I agreed with what you said, by the way, but I get this standard from Skip Bayless and I know, (laughs) but he, he's, he actually, this was a point he, this was a point he one time made that I think is the best point he ever made on television, which is if you're good, if the hall of fame is about transcendent, transcendent in his, in nature, historical in nature, to the degree that if you have to think about it, they shouldn't be in. So because I have to think about Leach, I mean, even after thinking about it, I'm still like, yeah, probably not. But because because I have to think about it, that makes it a little bit easier. Um, See, I, I, I don't have to think about it. That's the thing is it's different. I think it's different opinions and, and what makes college football, college football. Mike Leach is what makes college football, college football. I mean, his personality, the way that he, I mean, the antics, the the stuff he said on, you know, on the sideline, the, the rants about, you know, don't get married during football season, elope, you know, stuff like that makes, mm-hmm. made college football so much better for him being in it. I mean, he, his personality I think I'm sold solely on his personality because I don't think, I just don't think that he, I don't think there's college football without Mike Leach right now. Like, I just, I just don't, I don't think that I, just my, my opinion, his personality just takes the cake and he makes that environment of college football. He's what separates college from the pros. You know, he is, again, not a politician, not a salesman, not any of of what we've seen with coaches in the past, Butch Jones, you know, Dennis Franchoni. I mean, just different people that we've seen. Urban Meyer. You know, will Urban Meyer get in the Hall of Fame for college football coaching? Probably. But, but you, also have to, you also have to give Urban Meyer some credit in this. I, I can't believe I'm saying that because I hate Urban Meyer as a person. Like, I shouldn't say hate. I'm sorry. I despise him as a human. Um, but when you talk to Urban Meyer has Mike Leach plus the success to it, the, because Urban Meyer also changed the game from an X's and O's perspective. He literally got the whole college football world running the spread offense. Nobody was running that um, when, he, when he and Dan Mullen. But do you like him as a person and how – like how mm, he is no, all but... the scandals all of that stuff like do, do you really like him as a person that's the thing no i mean I don't. would you would you want to put him in somewhere where people can go and, and admire admire him no he would I not mean, but the hall of are you are you saying urban mars shouldn't be in the hall of fame with three national championships and like it, I'm, I'm saying if Urban Meyer is in the Hall of Fame based on just what he did on the field, but he has his crappy character to go along with it, then Mike Leach should be in the Hall of Fame just because let's counterbalance that with the personality with with him 
just the you think of Mike Leach, you think of college football. I'm not saying Urban shouldn't be in it. Urban should be in it, but I don't like him. He's a politician. I just don't. I do not like Urban Meyer and under any stretch of the imagination. But if you're going to put Urban Meyer in there just for his, you know, what he's done on the field, even if his field off the field activities are despicable, I think you should put Mike Leach in there because of who he was off the field and the success he had on it. Okay, I you would have had me if you brought up a if you brought up another coach that has some despicable off the field activities without the level of success that Urban Meyer has because Urban Meyer's success is so I mean, outside of Nick Saban, no coach the last 25 years is more successful than Urban Meyer. Now, yes. Kirby Smart may surpass Terrible her. person, though. Terrible person. person. But, you know, conduct grades aren't what gets you into the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's like, you know. That should be a factor, though. It's like the Heisman. That should be a factor. We should not out, just should not weigh it. Yeah, no. should not weigh it. If you want to, if you, yeah, if you want to do because you know how I feel about it. Now, again, Urban Meyer, I would listen more than like, because like Caleb Williams trash talk, that's where I disagreed. I would listen more with Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer covered up for people harming human beings. Like Urban Meyer legitimately covered up for horrific things. Um, yeah, and we're still wanting to put him in the Hall of Fame but, just because of what he did on the field. But, well, because what you do on the field matters. Just being a, like, that should that has to be a standard to, like, if you think character, I mean, Character shouldn't being a nice person shouldn't outweigh production. Now, if you think it should be a factor to a certain degree, fine, that's fair. But it can't make up for lack of production. I mean, if the backup quarterback is a nice guy on an NFL team, that doesn't mean he belongs in the Pro Bowl. No, so, but that's that's not saying. I mean, you have to do something on the field. I, I get that, but I think Mike Leach has done something on the field. I think he's done things on the field. Has he been as successful as Urban Meyer? No. But did he also coach at Ohio State or Florida? No, he didn't. He coached well, I mean, Mississippi no, State, but, Washington State, and Texas Tech. Yeah, but Urban Meyer also, to be fair, coached at Utah and Bowling Green and had a level of success that at those smaller schools that Mike Leach didn't have in the schools he coached. Understood. Then, but what I'm saying is, is if if you have if you're going to honor somebody in the Hall of Fame just for what they did on the field, but yet they turn around and and covered up the atrocious things that he covered up knew about it and we know urban meyer had cheated like we know he's cheated in college football everybody knows that i mean my god look at his what 2008 florida class oh yeah is that the one that lane kiffin accused him of cheating when he was at tennessee um that got lane I'm kiffin reprimanded or was that pretty sure <laughs> yeah so you know that if if he's doing all of that to get the wit like to get the wins and to get the success that he's gotten so far or not so far he's done now god hopefully but um if he's gone that far to to get those but we're still going to put him in the hall of fame even though he's a shady shady character well here's the uncomfortable unfortunate truth urban meyer um is, what urban is i'm with you. he's despicable he's very despicable as a human being but we're what, still going to honor him well well hold on I let me finish that. though but there are what Urban Meyer did, and I will give you compared to Mike Leach. That's what this is what sets Mike Leach apart character-wise. But what Urban Meyer did, I think you would agree, is par for the course among a lot of college football coaches, unfortunately. And a lot of college football coaches 
still didn't have the success Urban Meyer had. Trey Barkley says if a coach is cheated, they don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Well, this is speculation that we think that Urban Meyer cheated straight. We have no actual, actual proof. So, like, and if we have proof the way we have proof on every coach that's won a national championship the last 25 years has probably cheated to a certain degree at, for some recruiting class. I don't think Urban Meyer's cheating went anywhere beyond what any, you know, I wouldn't, I'm not going to pretend that I don't think Phil Fulmer may have done a little bit of shady stuff to win the national title in 98. I'm not going to pretend. I don't think that um, Jimbo Fisher didn't do some shady stuff. I'm not so sure Nick Saban didn't do some shady stuff at times. You know, I think they've all, I, I, I don't think what, I don't think Urban Meyer's level of shadiness and recruiting goes beyond any other coach. Now, Urban Meyer's shadiness and covering up for character flaws does, but, but it's, I think that's still par for the course. It's not Joe Paterno level. It's not Joe Paterno level, which is the worst scandal in college football history to me. And like that, that's a scandal so bad that I would actually listen if you said Joe Paterno shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, honestly. Or if you said he should be taken out of the Hall of Fame, because I think he's in. Because what Joe He's Paterno, in the Hall of Fame, yes. And yeah. Yeah. And so I would listen to that. That is one character scandal where I'd be like, you know what? If you want to kick him out, I might listen because what Joe Paterno did was so egregious and so disgusting and so despicable. And every Penn State fan that that defended him to this day should be ashamed of themselves for what they did defending that man. Covering Um, up for abuse, though, it's it's still getting down to it. And I understand the difference. But, oh, great. Here comes our our abuse, And then we hear the find your love. Wow. Perfect timing. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, bots. Um, Covering up for abuse is exactly what urban meyer did too and i understand it's different there's it's different types of abuse and i i get that but urban meyer is proven that he knew what that guy was doing exactly. he so, knew it and he what, covered it up one difference though I, I agree and that's it was really bad the big difference though is what urban meyer did did not facilitate more abuse by zach wilson for two decades and so like Joe Paterno, we as we know, was told about Sandusky in 1999. That's the that is uh, that is what we know is the earliest. I think it was earlier than that. You probably think it was earlier than that too. That he knew about what Sandusky was doing, but sure. the earliest we knew was in 1999. Sandusky mysteriously retires after being the coach in waiting, is allowed to have an office on campus for the next 13 years. Joe Paterno basically facilitated and covered up to allow Sandusky to continue to do what he was doing. For 13 years, that's why I, it's not, I'm not comparing levels of abuse. I'm just saying Joe Paterno's actions actually facilitated more abuse by Sandusky. Um, and so that's, that's, that's where yes. I would listen. But, to but, but I still would actually keep Joe Paterno in the Hall of Fame, funny enough. It would just, oh be, my gosh, Caleb. I said I would listen to taking him out, but I still would put him in though. Yes, but Caleb, like I, See, OJ's in the Hall of Fame in the NFL. <laughs> Who? What? OJ. Well, yes, I know. And I would I would remove him as I mean, I would I would have never let them in. And I guess that's where we go is character should matter. Character should matter. Changing the game of football, whether it's X's and O's on the field or it's off the field, it should matter. It should matter. Urban Meyer did great things on the field, off the field, terrible human being. Covered up for for um, abuse. Uh, faked a heart attack. 
<laughs> wow, you're one of those. I think he faked it. I, I actually agree oh. with you. I do think. Oh, he well, faked it. Also, he also ran from Florida because he knew that the program was falling apart, and he knew that like he wanted to dump the blame on Will Muschamp, who I don't think is a good coach, but Muschamp inherited a mess at Florida. <laughs> Urban Meyer left. Yes. Um, and what what did he do? He ran. His character is crap. It's crap. I'm sorry. It's crap. And I don't think people with crap character, because if you have crap character and people know you have crap character, just imagine what you're doing behind it. Like behind the, the scenes that people don't know about. Oh yeah. You know what so, I mean? Okay. You know, where you know, where we disagree with, so I, I, these are character flaws, by the way, that I do actually listen when, cause I know with the Caleb Williams Heisman debate, you thought I was crazy with my character talk, but, um, uh, uh, these are ones where I do actually listen because these are actions, not just words. And I think Caleb Williams is just words. And I think actions matter more than words all the time. And so by adults, I mean, they're, I mean, I understand Caleb Williams, you know, I don't even know how old he is, like 20, something like that. 21, maybe probably. And, and he's a, I mean, he's still relatively, I mean, he's, he's he still kind of a it. kid. Yeah. He can grow out of this. Urban Meyer mm -hmm. cannot grow out of this. He's a terrible right. human being and he is going to be in the hall of fame, but someone who has influenced this whole game and, and for, for the better, someone who has been just a, a, a role model, a, you know, every Every kid, for the most part, there's a there's a couple that, you know, have their their problems or had their problems with Mike Leach. But everybody else that you're hearing from is is talking about what a big impact he had. And even from from people he coached to journalists to just people he touched in, in regular life. You know what I mean? Everyone loves Mike Leach and he changed the game for the better. So, Urban Meyer did not. Well, uh, well, he did change the game from an X's and O standpoint. People might say for the better. He introduced a very entertaining offense. Um, and look, he got lucky that Tim Tebow fell out of the sky into his lap to run that offense because, like, there's no better design to run that offense than Tim Tebow. And Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> yeah, I All think, right. Go ahead. I think they win that national title without Aaron Hernandez, but yes, Probably. Aaron Hernandez fell out Probably. of the sky. But I think he recruited Aaron Hernandez. Tebow like was a local Florida kid that wanted to go to Florida and is the perfect quarterback to run the spread just as Urban Meyer shows up. That that was just like insane. I know, and 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 gave the um, good face of the program so he could Urban Meyer could hide all of his skeezy things beneath it. Okay. So up next, we have Ron Slay join us in two minutes. And yes, Zul Beer Company is the best craft beer in Knoxville, uh, down on East 5th. You know, join every day starting at 4 on Fridays. Go in for lunch. They open at noon. You have an abridged burger and a beer at Zul Beer Company. And we will be back in two minutes has risen to the highest level in over 40 years according to the april 2022 u.s inflation calculator will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation simply stated if the cost of goods and services are eight percent higher 
and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to This is Al's Disc Barbecue Supply, so come on in. See all the different rubs and sauces we have, plus a complete line of Green Mountain Grills. Don't be overwhelmed. We have plenty of help, so you can produce the best barbecue in a maze for your family and friends. Barbecue is America's food. We'll do what we can to bring you all the best products. We're Al's Nest Barbecue, where Chattanooga goes to grill. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Welcome back, everybody. We are joined here with the one and the only Ron Slay. How are you this morning? I'm good, people. How are you guys doing? Pretty good, pretty good. I don't know if you heard our uh, our <laughs> chat about Coach Mike Leach and yeah. um, Hall of Fame. Uh, what do you want to give your input on that? Um, personally, man, I know. Um, as far as the Hall of Fame goes, well, I, I think maybe on this on this one, you kind of kind of bend the rules. You know, I think he's what three wins from um, having six hundred. Um, six six hundred percent, you know, batting to get into the Hall of Fame. I think you kind of make that happen, you know. In this in this case, you know, uh, Mike Leach was a guy that I started watching probably about thirteen or fourteen years ago. And mine, um, I was put on while I was overseas looking for some entertainment. And a friend of mine told me, "Man, you need to watch Mike Leach." And I'm like, "What is it about him?" He was like, "Just watch the press conferences first, and then you'll start watching the game." So he reeled me in with his storytelling, and then you know to hear former players talk about him the way he act um off the field and the love that he showed it was it was it was it was a way to reel me in and I like quirky like guys you know what I'm saying and he's one that fits the mold but I I, I look at it and see the outpour on social media yesterday and um the day before the day before that with prayers and everything knowing that he touched a lot of people um you know and then being in this media world to hear how the media talks about him that's that's saying a lot, man. You know, I'm a guy that that's, you're judged by your peers. I think that's what holds a lot of um, of who you are. You can find out a lot from peers, not necessarily outside people that never competed against you or whatever. But his peers that speak about him, coaches, players that play for him. That's that that that's true character. And um, 
Mike Leach. Man, we're going to miss him. I, I know I'm definitely going to miss him. I love going to SEC media days. And I would, even if we were recording, I'd tell them, hey, man, I'm going to be right back. I got to go down here and listen to Coach Leach. So I'm always going to give you something. Yeah, I was there at SEC media days this, this year. And I was, I have a picture of Mike Leach standing there. And I was too nervous to go up and say anything. He was talking to somebody and I was like, I can't do it. I fangirled over yeah. Nobody else. Right. Mike Leach fangirl. Yeah, the just pirate could not was different. do it. Yeah, definitely different. You two are just trying to humiliate me today. And <laughs> Caleb, you not you wasn't a big fan, Caleb? No, I I, I loved Mike Leach. I just I have oh, very God. high Hall of Fame standards. Yeah. So I have the if you have to think about it, they're not in. So, I like it. I like it. Like, um, I respect it. Rana, I, before I get going asking you a couple of questions, I just want to confirm a story that I once heard watching when you were playing at Tennessee 20 years ago. And 20 years oh. later, I want to confirm that this story is true. <laughs> were you and John Henderson really roommates for a year at, in college? Oh, yeah, that's my guy. Yeah, yeah. y'all were both from Nashville, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We grew up together. He was a couple years older than me, but um, we were right there in the same. I always played up when it comes to AU and junior pro and things, because I was bigger. So I always played up two or three age groups and um, was always around John, man. In high school, we were teammates all the way up. And then to only reason we wasn't roommates more uh, earlier is because um, freshmen had to stay in the dorm. So oh. you couldn't move off until after your sophomore year um, sport was completed. So after my sophomore year, I moved off. That would be the most vocal like room between because you type you guys are the two vocal like loudest leaders on the team. <laughs> I don't think anybody ever challenged that room. <laughs> hey man, let me just say this, man. Um <laughs> man, the <laughs> it was it was always it was always fun being at our house. Let me just say that. Um during the <laughs> summer, people didn't want to go home because of our house. So it I kept believe it very that. entertaining, yeah. <laughs> Um, so talking a little bit of hoops, uh, Tennessee obviously got a huge win over Maryland Sunday. Um, mm -hmm. I know it was a tale of two halves. They looked a little sluggish in the second half, but I honestly think that's a, this has more positive for Tennessee than negative to be able to win a game like that. It was a good team. I don't think they should apologize for holding on to beat Maryland in New York. Yeah, I don't either. I think, you know, you take them how they come, especially non-conference schedule. And you're looking at a team in Maryland that, can win in different types of ways and want to muck up the game. You see from their non-conference schedule, they've been playing everybody tough that they run into. Um, but, you know, like going down the stretch, I think when you look at an NCAA tournament, um, when you're in March Madness, it's, it's going to be different ways that you have to go and win games. You may be hot in the first half and then you go cold. Um, do you have guys that have the confidence, one, to keep on shooting, as they did, regardless of missing the shots, don't be reluctant to shoot the shot because you put them in a bad spot where you get the pump fake and passing and, you know, overpassing. Just shoot the ball and let us go get it off the rim. And you saw guys like Julian Phillips, who is a young freshman, man, and he's growing up right before our eyes, man. He, he had a bad shooting night and still went and had 10 rebounds. So that's saying a lot, you know, on Vescovy fighting through injury to go out there and play. Zakai hitting big shots. Tariq Key hitting a big shot down the stretch. Jamal Meshack taking that next step, being a guy that you can you can rely on. You don't have to do the offensive-defensive sub. For him, he had a big three-pointer. So guys are growing up, and I think they're confident in knowing that we got to do whatever we got to do to win. And it doesn't have to be one way. It doesn't have to be us shooting, getting hot, 
and continuing to ride that out throughout the game. It's whatever we got to do in those moments to win the game. I think that's that's one of the things they were looking at, the big picture before with this group. Now it's more about when you get down to those last four minutes, how can we win the game? I think that's what lacked um, in the Michigan game last year in the tournament. You know, you got down the stretch and you couldn't score, and it was like, man, what are we going to do when it wasn't stopping them? If they could have just kept get, kept getting stops in that Michigan game without with missing those open shots, it would have been a difference in the ball game. You know, but I think that kind of drained them a little bit. But you saw this in this in this game against Maryland. That wasn't the case. They found a way to get it done, and that that looks good for them going going forward. Yeah, and how are they behind Kansas in the coaches' poll? They beat Kansas by fourteen. <laughs> blue bloods. That's all I can say, man. The blue bloods. Blue bloods get the nod first. You know, um, I, I think in some cases, man, you look at it and you ask like. What is it that Bill Self and those guys are doing? Like, why can't they get reevaluated every year? Kentucky the same way, Duke the same way, Carolina, all of them the same way. Like, why do they always get the nod? You know, but um, talking behind the scenes, and some people like in some stretches, man. I mean, in some in some places, like they they get the tip because they're a money school. Like, you put them on TV, everybody's watching, regardless if they're good or bad. You know, you just got to follow them. So. I think that has a little bit to do with it, but hey, who am I? Yeah. Um, so this week on Saturday, Tennessee has another big game at Arizona. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think is key in that game, and what do you think their chances are? Man, the big stand out of foul trouble. Um, the 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 big men in the front court have to be very disciplined, not to go to go for pump fakes. Um, if someone makes a shot, there's going to be plenty of times you think you can block the shot just. Wall it when when I say wall it, just stay parallel with your arms straight up in the air. Do not try to block the shot, just make it difficult and shooting over you and get the rebound. Because man, big ballo, um, he he's a he's a big force, and he's not just a big guy that's running up and down the court, blocking shots, catching lobs, and stuff like that. They give him the ball on the block, you know. So guards have to be um discipline as far as digging the ball out after one or two dribbles and being able to recover to their guys because they got sharpshooters too Kerr um kisser i think is his name i think it's how you say his name the guard um he's really good at running the show um as far as getting from picking roles and getting guys in places that they're supposed to be and the four man the lefty a problem 20 and 10 walking when he wake up out the bed he go get 20 and 10 so you got to Olivier should have his work cut out for him. He has to come and play a do. Hopefully he's healthy enough, but the front court, that's who I think this is going to rely on going into a hostile environment. You know, the, you know, the, the history of Arizona, it's a small gym packed in. It's going to be a hot box, but you got to come with it. So um, they've done a great job, man. Recruiting. I, I was wondering like, dog, how did they re- reload so fast? But their coach did a great job of recruiting overseas, getting those guys to come in and believe and buy in. So it's it's gonna be a task, man. Arizona is really to me, they're the most complete team in um in college basketball right now, from top to bottom. Yeah. Um I, I agree. I, I they you know definitely play inside out, which is right. you know, kind of a almost but like an NBA team. Yeah. Yeah. And then they got two guys, like they'll put the big lefty down on the block too. And once the ball goes inside, kick it back out, reverse it to the other side, go back inside. So you really don't see that. You see guys playing four round one or five guys on the perimeter and doing screens, and the big man's really not that involved. Nah, 
instead of getting drives for paint touches, they give the ball to the big for paint touches to make you collapse. And they got guys that can knock it down. So it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. So, um, Ron, I have a question. I have a list of the SEC basketball teams and, and who's doing what as far as this goes. For people who don't regularly watch basketball, because I think uh-huh. some of you know our listeners are, are mainly football focused and, and yeah. that's you know, that's fine. I want to do a little game and oh. it's called Players or Posers. Ooh. So I'm gonna give you um probably the top half of the SEC. Okay. And I want you to tell me if they're if they're actually going to be a, a player in the game in the in March Madness or in the SEC tournament or what have you, or if right now they're just posing. Okay. So we'll start with an undefeated team in Mississippi State. They're nine and O. So players or posers? Mm. Ah, new coach. Um early. Oh, I'm happy. You know what? I'm gonna go players. I'm gonna go player. I'm gonna go player. I like I like what they're doing. I like how they're coming together. Um, their coach is a guy, man, that you know, you know, he comes into the league and he has a, a really good background of getting guys to play to play together and buying into the system. So he he's done that with Mississippi State, and I, I I'm gonna go player. I'm gonna go play on Mississippi State. Questionable player, but a player. All right. So let's go to a nine and one team, number four, Alabama. Uh, most definitely a player. Um, if they can, if they stay healthy throughout, um, and somehow Nate Oates is able to wrangle the guards, um, what is the Sears, the freshman at Quinterly, if he can get those guys to play with a little less bounce of the ball, um, and get it reversed a little bit more, man, they, they got some talent, Clowney and Brandon Miller, man. Brandon Miller is. Problem. He's from Nashville. I watched him a lot playing high school. Like he probably is the next best thing coming out of Nashville next to Ron Mercer. And that's saying a whole lot, you know. So um the young man can really play. I they they're definitely a player. All right. Let's do number 10 at nine and one, Arkansas. Serious. Serious. So talented. Most, probably the most talented team in the country. Said it reluctantly because I, I like what Houston has, but um, that's serious, man. Nick Smith getting incorporated. I want to see how Ricky Council um, is able to blend with Nick Smith if he can still get his shots and his looks. Brazil going down was a huge, huge loss for them. Um, just kind of shorten their bench and their rotation a little bit. And there's nothing like having an athletic big man that can step out and shoot the ball too. So um, that posed a different, a different feat for teams going to play them, but. I like Musselman, man. Uh, he, he somehow keeps getting these young guys, man, and they they probably got well now Brazil's hurt. Probably four guys in the top twenty should be in the top twenty in the draft, and that's without question too. So, got a good group. All right, there you go nine and one LSU. <sighs> um, love that coach, Coach McMahon from um Murray State. Um. LSU, I don't. So I don't know. Do we know anything about the sanctions? If um they weren't gonna come down, I would think that they would have the best as far as a new coach coming in and shaking things up. I think they would have the best um chances of getting into the tournament. I will make them players just because I know his coaching style. He brought a couple of guys from Murray with him um that go well into the system. Watched a little bit of them last night, and I like I like LSU. I liked them before the season, so 
I'm gonna go out there and say that. I'm gonna say they're a player. All right, and let's see, nine and one, Mizzou. Man, so the, I'm 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 I'm, I'm torn a little bit in Mizzou. Is this gonna be the old Mizzou where they don't have much? Um, where they don't have much? Or whoa, 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 let me see. Much fanfare and kind of fly under the radar. I like Kobe Brown. Like, I really love his game. He's a guy inside, outside, can carry the team. Um, does he have any additions with him that can help get them over the hump? Love Coach Dennis. Um, he's, he's a guy. I love anybody coming from Leonard Hamilton uh, coaching coaching umbrella. So, um, I'm high on them. I'm scared. I'm scared to jump out there and say they, they're a player and they, then they start to fumble. Um but I, I, Kobe Brown is a guy, man. I honestly think he can be SEC Player of the Year, honestly, because um, he he can do it all. So I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go player bubble bubble player. Can we? Bubble can, player. I, can I do that? It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. Um, <laughs> let's do uh, number nineteen, eight and one Auburn. I can't go against Bruce because um, when he gets in a team that that is kind of undermanned and doesn't have that big star like he's had in the past and the Jabari and guys like that. He got two guards that really go get it, Katie Johnson, and I forgot the other guy's name, but they they really go play well in a Bruce Pearl-like system where guards get to handle the ball. Janai Broom, in addition, coming from the OVC, he was a guy that could easily go get 19 and 10. I don't know if they figured out that he can score with the ball yet, or they're going to keep using him in pick and rolls and make him roll to the basket. Good defense guy that could um, protect the basket. But I want to see if guys like Flanagan get back healthy. And I think I'm pretty positive he's a guy that's that's a player. I think I think Bruce Berg are my players. All right. And let's do seven and two at 13, Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky, Kentucky is a team, man. Listen, I I, I think playing that talent, you know, I, I love the young guys. I, I just want to I want to see them be able to get Chris Livingston more involved. I think he's a glue guy, a freshman. They got him coming off the bench sometimes. Um, he's a guy that can do it all on both ends of the floor. Uh, I just don't know how you get Reeves and Casey Wallace to both play together. Like I, I haven't I've yet to see them both on the same page. Casey Wallace is a guy. We've seen can get it going and carry the team, but Reeves believes coming off the bench, he's that guy. So does that mesh? Topping is a guy that came in with a lot of fanfare early in the season, pre um preseason SEC, all SEC guy. So how do you incorporate all this? Savir so Wheeler to me at some point is taking a step back. Um, and that's crazy to think of. Um, even though with him having more control of the team, and then you got Oscar Sheetway, who I, I just don't it's, it's not enough balls to me up there at Kentucky right now. So I don't know how you keep the player of the year happy, which it, he don't need the ball to be happy. It's just how do you not go to him when he's so efficient? You know what I'm saying? You got other guys that need the ball. So um, they're, they're definitely a player, though, just talent alone. They get into the tournament. But can they get upset in the first round without question? So last one, and obviously most important, uh, number six, Tennessee at nine and one. And I think I know what you're going to say, but who, and I do this every time you're on, who <laughs> on this team impresses you the most or has impressed you the most so far? Um, yes, they're most definitely a player. The one that has impressed me the most. Um, 
will be Julian Phillips, just how, how how fast he's coming along and um how he doesn't let one aspect of the game going wrong dictate the rest of the game for him. If he's not scoring, he doesn't let that dictate if he's going to be have an impact as far as defensively rebounding, whatever it may be. He finds different ways to get involved in the game. So, um, yeah, he would be the guy. Tyreek Key is the guy that I want it to be. Um, but it's, for some reason, he won't shoot enough for me yet. So um, once he starts to really shoot, I really think that I don't care if he doesn't make it. Just shoot the ball. You know what I mean? You get in the rhythm, just shoot it. We need you to shoot it and let those big guys go get it off the rim. So once he falls into that and starts understanding who, who he is on this team, I think it may shift to Tariq Key right now, but Julian Phillips so far. Gotcha. Ron, it's funny because uh, we've talked about all these different teams. Um, just doing my exhaustive Wikipedia research. And <laughs> <laughs> you, you must have crossed paths with Matt McMahon a lot. Because yeah. he played high school in t- at Oak Ridge when you were playing high school at Nashville. Uh-huh. Then he is a Buzz Peterson. He played for Buzz Peterson. He coached under Buzz Peterson. <laughs> so yep. I'm guessing you crossed paths with him quite a few, quite a few, quite a few. Times. Yeah, he's a guy. He's a guy I'm familiar with. You know, I'm familiar with him. I know the competitive um, nature that he has. Man, he wants to win at everything, and he does it the right way. So um, he's a grit grind type of guy. Always known him for that, and. I'm interested to see what he can do in the LSU because he was able to carry that torch for Murray for quite a while um, as far as winning. And then it doesn't hurt to also be able to call up John Morant and say, hey, man, we need to try to get this recruit, man. <laughs> we got him coming on a visit. So I think that helps, especially with this younger generation. So, yeah, man, he's, he's a good dude, man. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Ja, I just wanted to go to a form of all real quick. Um, just full disclosure, I'm from Memphis, hardcore Grizzlies fans, my favorite hey. professional sports team. Um Love. Uh, it seems like Kennedy Chandler is really starting to see a good bit of action from Memphis. And I thought he would because job does deal with injuries yep. a good bit. Um, how how far do you think he could go? Kennedy Chandler could go this year as a rookie. With Man, I think he'd go really far. I think I think when he got when he got drafted there, I think the thing was like, what did they do with all the guards? What all this guard play that they got? Um, and then what was it? Tyus just had re-upped and signed a big contract. So it was like, where does Kennedy fit in? But with any opportunity, Kennedy's going to make the most of it. You know, um, he's just a natural, instinctive guy when he gets on the court as far as a knack for scoring, knowing when and how to get to the bucket. And he has a lot more, a lot more control of pace with his body now, you know, coming downhill. So um, I think, man, he's just got to find an opportunity to get on the floor. I think it's good right now him getting experience with Ja being out. That's going to help because – when Ja come back, I could easily see all three of them playing at some point. Because another thing, like you said, with injuries, there's going to be times Dylan Brooks is going to be out. You know, what's my man, the, um, the shooter that's out right now that's injured? Um, His backcourt mate, John Bain. Desmond Bain. He's another guy that can be out. So if you can knock down that three-pointer and keep the floor spread, that could be a problem, man, with the floor space like that coming down the stretch. If they were denying Ja and he was able to get the ball, Latias was able to get the ball, they're very unselfish. So they're, they're going to be good. It's going to, Memphis always deals with a lot of injuries. I think that's their fall, their, um, their fall guy every time. Like, that's why they can't get over the hump sometimes because of the injuries. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, so getting back to college basketball a little bit, we were just – Amanda was just reeling off the teams. And it reminded me of your senior year at Tennessee was – might have been the last time the SEC was this loaded. Was Is the SEC yeah. deeper now or was it or your senior year at Tennessee? I remember I think, 
was. Yeah, I think maybe my year might have been a little bit low, more loaded because you you still had the um the bottom feeder teams who are bottom feeders right now is Vandy. They still had Matt Freeze running around, and you know they had they had um um Derek Byers getting ready to come in. Like they they still had talent at Vandy. Um, South Carolina still had a little bit more talent. Still had guys ready to go. Like they were going to be dangerous. If you had to run into them. Ole Miss was dangerous. Um, you know, with guys like Aaron Harper, um, all those guys, Justin Reed, guys like that. So they had they had they had problems. So I think it was a little bit deeper, top to bottom. But the top talent is so heavy, kind of outweighs it a little bit. I don't think we were this heavy at the top. Kentucky definitely had a good team. We had a solid team. Um, and we were middle of the pack in a sense. You know, outside of what where talent level was. You know what I'm saying? I kind of helped raise the bar for it. But other than that. Still had Arkansas ready to go. Um, so I, I'd say my time, but the top teams, the top two or three teams, <clears throat> excuse me, top two or three teams in the SEC have way more talent than we did at our time on one team. Um, and Ron, we have a question from the message board. Right. Smoky Mountain Red says, How cool slash fun was the atmosphere at the arm at the Army Navy game? Man, amazing. Like, this is an experience, man, that everybody should go see. Unlike, and you gotta get there early. Like, you gotta go be there to take it all in, not just on game day, but the Friday before when they're doing the radio roll and um everything they had it at the Reading Terminal, which was across from the hotel. A uh, famous terminal, train terminal there that they revamped, and they had the radio row in there, and you, you're able to talk to lieutenants and um, man, so many different people. And I think to be able to take it all in, you kind of got to go two years in a row because you got to be able to take it in spots. You know what I'm saying? Like then when you get to game day, there's so much stuff set up out front before you get to the game. And I don't think they open the gates to like eleven or twelve and. We were there at 845 just going through different virtual they had virtual um virtual tours set up. Um they had the tanks out that you could see the new tanks that they haven't even been released. It was bazookas that you could hold. It was all kind of weird stuff going on, man. And I loved every bit of it. And then you get to the game and you sit in the flyover. That flyover is totally different than any other flyover you see at any other college game or pro game or anything. Like you got the patches going over. Um, we got the Jets flying over when Navy comes out. Then they had um, um, people being um, people being parachuting in, and it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. They had two people parachuting in at the same time, and they were holding and free falling all the way down to they were about forty feet from the ground, and then they released from each other, and then like came down and landed perfectly it was it was i've never seen anything like it in my life like that was it gave me chills watching it you know then you run into i saw um a seal member with a medal of honor a freedom medal of free what is it, freedom medal of freedom freedom something the blue the blue the blue thing you know yeah, <laughs> yeah but that was really cool and i was just man sitting there imagining like um he had to be like 70 75 years old and just thinking he had like three seal team patches on his jacket and just thinking everything that he's seen and everything that he's done. And like, he's standing right here before me, like he got stuff that he couldn't even think about talking about, you know what I mean? And here we are just sitting here watching the game. And it's just like, wow. to see them kids, man, like the 18, 19 years old, like they really going to be fighting for our freedom. And 
I mean, they, it's it's just amazing, man. Just to take it all in, I'm gonna be real. Like this, see, chief chief of um, what was it, chief chief of the justice or something? I, so I'm gonna get all the names wrong, but okay. whatever. He was real special. He had 15 um, Secret Service people around him, Ooh. and you can't even get close to him. And as soon as he saw the SEAL team member, he left the Secret Service, went straight over to him. Like that was amazing to me to see. So it was. It's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. It's an experience that everybody, everybody should should go and see if they can, if they have an opportunity to go and see it. And the stadium was packed, stood up the entire time. Like it was, it was everything and more. It's awesome. Ron, before we let you go, we got, um, <clears throat> I got one more. I'm going to let you uh, jump in on another debate Amanda and I have had this week. Uh, <laughs> and feel free, to split, feel free to split the baby if you want to, because I think uh, we kind of did, but I don't have problem. I don't have, you know, you saw the news that Cedric Tillman isn't going to play in the bowl game. And I think makes sense. Had the ankle injury should, he should focus on himself in the draft. And I don't think it helps Tennessee if he does play quite honestly, because Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with players opting out of bowl games. If they're going to the draft, if it's not a meaningful bowl game, I think it helps both sides. I think it helps the player to focus on his future. And I also think it helps the school um, because they can start seeing what they have behind the player. Yeah. You can't just go ahead and give him all your all your evidence. It's <laughs> <laughs> all fair. Let me sway you really quick, Ryan, yeah. and let me tell you why I think all of my good points. <laughs> Not so, fair. My my thing is with that man. I, I feel I, I'm I'm trying to I'm kind of torn between it selfishly as a fan. I want to see everybody go out there and compete, you know, because if I'm gonna waste if I'm gonna spend my money to go to the game, like I want to see a product on the field that you're not this isn't an exhibition or a spring game when you're trying guys out like me as a fan i want us to go out there and, and win and compete like at a very high level um on the back side of that when you're when you're getting ready and you're, you're fighting through nagging injuries and you got the the combine which so much is put onto the combine for football um and you don't have a lot of time to prepare for it um I think it's okay to get healthy as possible to go out there where you can test because um, a stress fracture or uh, a high ankle sprain can kind of really set you back into testing uh, and going there because it's so much. It'll be different if they went to the combine and they were able to play 11 on 11. You can see the true grit, the competitiveness um, when it comes out when I'm playing 11 on 11. Um, And then the football, you don't get to see that. You don't get to see this all about the testing, how you move, how you turn, everything. You know, it's like a meat market. Uh, I'm speaking from um, the NBA combine. So I, I, I can't blame them for sitting out, especially guys like Jalen Hyatt. Like, you won the Belitnikov Award. Like, like what, else, what else can you do? You can go out there and have 300 yards and you can't help yourself in the draft. You know what I'm saying? You can only go out there and hurt yourself with an injury or whatever. And I also think it gives guys like Romel Keaton um, time to show you know what I mean? What he can do. There's another evaluation period for him. Squirrel White, Rue McCoy, like all these guys, if, if Tillman and Hyde and those guys get to sit out, then it gives them a bigger stage coming in and finally getting some real time on a bigger stage where everybody's watching. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, everybody on the West Coast probably be tuned into the games where you don't get that opportunity during season where scouts have to go to other places and have attention other ways. So, I'm, I'm kind of torn in between, but I understand both parties, though. You know what the player needs. <clears throat> All these players that are opting out or thinking of opting out, 
they just really need financial guidance yeah. from Guardian Investments. And uh-huh. that's what you can get at Guardian Investments. I love A it. financial strategy that suits your needs. They, they are all about you at Guardian Investments. Thank you, Ron, for being here with us this morning. I'm no sure doubt. Dave is sad that he missed you, but yeah. he's on vacation, and so I'm not too worried about him. No, nah, he's having a good time. I'm sure he is. He has feet yeah. in the sand or something. All right. <laughs> I appreciate y'all. Thanks, Ryan. And we'll be right. back in two minutes. Sun, sand, and salt water. The beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasty's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasty Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. This is Steve Rain. I own the Midnight Oil and Michelin Tire Direct service station here in Ottawa. It's not a fancy place, never has been, but it's a clean place with clean restrooms and good folks who work here. We sell gas, fix cars, nothing glamorous, but we love what we do and we're going to keep doing it for a long time to come. There's not many real service stations left and that's a shame. We're the guys just like the guys back in your hometown. We'll fix your tire, change your oil, and put a new set of Michelins on your car. If you want a Twinkie, you'll just have to keep on going. Thanks for the business. All right. Welcome back. That was Ron Slay, and we are always grateful to have him on. We love, love, love Ron Slay. Um, I don't know if he has any pets, but if he does, craft treats are a good way to calm your pet down whether they have anxiety they can have social anxiety with other dogs my dog used to have that until she got to hang out with a bunch of other dogs and then she slowly got used to them though she doesn't like it when you pet another dog in front of her so caleb if you ever meet her do not pet another dog in front of her she will come and claw her way into your heart or just onto your nerves you know whichever so let's shift it. Oh, go to crafttreats.com, use the code off the hook, and it'll save you some money. So let's shift it to Tennessee recruiting news. Caleb, what do we have for Tennessee recruiting? So on 247 Sports, um, <clears throat> a defensive lineman commitment, David Hobbs, just got a five star added. Um, if I'm not mistaking, I'm pulling up their page now, but I think that technically gives them two five stars, uh, Nico being the other one. And it and it hasn't been updated yet. So um, because it's not been updated, it still shows their rank overall number 10. We'll push them probably up to number eight or number seven. I have 
covered a lot of college football the last you know few years. Recruiting rankings matter. Clemson, Georgia, LSU, Alabama, all like had like a collection of top five classes before they won the national championship. I don't know if one, two things. I don't, and I want to know your thoughts a minute. I don't know if Tennessee has to get to the top five because I think Hypel's system is so quarterback based that I think it's just important to have the right quarterback in there that can run it. And then you can just move parts in and out offensively. So you need an elite defensive recruiting class. Don't get me wrong. But I think offensively, it's just mostly you just need the right quarterback. Um, And so I'm not, I, I think the six to 10 range is actually, even though that's, middle of the pack in the sec um i still think that's i think that could be enough for a school like tennessee in the future to to actually make a run at the national title which they will do in 2024 i'm still sticking with that yes we we know you are just hell-bent on that um than making the run 2024 winning the whole thing um i think that i think you're right i think hypel's offense as long as people keep being defensively confused by it as long as they keep being um you know trying to catch up to it I think that they're fine with a a top 10 recruiting class would be fine you don't necessarily need a top five I think that you um I think you're right the quarterback is important I think you also need to make sure you get the offensive linemen in there to protect your quarterback as long as you can do that I think you're you're fine you're solid now I'm not saying get a one-star as you're running back or anything though, again, I don't really buy into all of the recruiting rankings that much. Anyway, I think getting these kids with, you know, with something to prove turns out to be a better fit than getting, you know, I'm again, this is me. I'm against the whole diva approach. I don't like that. I'm a five star and, you know, tune in and watch me pick my eight schools. I'm like, Yeah. Stop but it. Man, I- Stop it. Amanda, the Stop results it. the results speak for themselves, though. Nick Saban has 18,500 national championships, I feel like, because 18, he's reported. 18,500. <laughs> the, the real number is seven, okay. But it is, um, but it, it is because he's recruited and signed 18,500 five-stars. Alabama, I mean, Nick Saban has been successful because the recruiting rankings clearly matter because Alabama consistently gets number one ranked classes, five-stars across the board. Saban was doing that at LSU. Um, honestly, at LSU, the real question is how was LSU not a powerhouse before Nick Saban got there? It's the easiest job in America, but, um, it's for another day, Caleb, that is for another is. day, but you yeah. talk all day on that. Yes. But yeah, no, these, these rankings are relatively accurate. I mean, again, Alabama has had, they've had in the past 14 years, I'd venture to say 10 number one classes at least. That's why they have seven national championships. Georgia in 2018 secured the highest rated recruiting class in history. They won the national championship in 2021. Um, <laughs> Smoky Mountain Red, I think Bama grows five-star recruits in a lab. It, 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 it sometimes seems that way. I feel like it's like they literally, Nick Saban has a lab where he like, like creates five-star recruits and then sends them to high school and then gets them to commit to them. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that... I know that it matters and all of that stuff, but I just, I don't know. I I just, there's some times where I see, and I know it's more often than not, you know, five stars are are the ones that go, you know, and do big things and all that stuff. 
But then you understand, like, you see the Josh Jacobs. I mean, he's killing it in the NFL, and he was a three-star. You know, Aaron Rodgers, three-star. Um, Aaron Donald, three-star. So I don't – what I'm saying is I don't need to think that it necessarily matters. Sometimes getting a player as a three-star and getting him – having that chip on his shoulder, I think it it helps a lot more than getting a five-star player. We're talking anecdotally, though, because, yes, I can point to three stars. And there's such a small sample size with the NFL relative to recruiting that it's like, but, but, and yeah, not all, every five star is going to hit. Not every three star is going to be, it's not going to hit. You're going to have some superstar three stars that were overlooked. Some superstar two stars. Cedric Tillman was a two star old rivals. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the conglomerate, in the totality, the success, the success rate is much higher for five stars than it is for four stars and much higher for four stars than it is for three stars and much higher for three stars than it is for two stars. Um, just like the success rate is much higher for first rounders than it is for second rounders. Yes, Tom Brady was a six round quarterback. I guarantee you more first round quarterbacks have been successful than six round quarterbacks in, in NFL history. Not if they've um, gone to the Browns. That is okay. Fair enough. That's true. But that's a different story altogether. The Browns are run by the, the Browns are run by a top booster for Tennessee and Jimmy Haslam, who just like just does everything he's touched has been bad. <laughs> so, it's very true. That is, um, that is very true. Yeah, I agree with so, that wholeheartedly. Yeah, and so I um and the Browns do have a first rounder right now at quarterback, and he does not. I that, I will give you character counts for that. Deshaun Watson should not be in the NFL, but um. Yeah. Again, we, so, you and I would disagree on that. No, I think we agree on Deshaun Watson. He shouldn't be in the NFL. We don't. You don't think he should? I think he should be in the NFL. Oh, oh okay. All right. Wow. Right. We're we doing, had a, yeah. We, we had we, a we whole thing. Yeah. We had a whole thing. I, I'm a firm believer in uh, lack of proof. Just a, accusers doesn't necessarily mean that they're guilty. Because I've seen too many people get accused for stuff, and it turns out that they didn't do it. And I hate that. I so, haven't seen someone get accused of by 27 different people or 24 different people or whatever. The innocent, yeah. though. But, and then you have two grand juries that wouldn't that wouldn't indict him um, based on the evidence that there was none. And then you have... You know, none of the none of the victims that I understand, or the so-called victims, I'm not calling them victims. I understand that there is, you know, you want to be anonymous, but these people are not putting anything on the line. Their names don't get released. Nobody knows who they are. You know, they don't they don't have to go through public scrutiny or anything. They just said, you know. Yeah, see the amount that quickly, that amount that quickly was odd. It, it just, I've seen this happen a lot where people will be accused of something and then people will just pile on because there's no repercussions for a female if she accuses a male and it's not true. If it comes out that it's not true, she doesn't get charged. She doesn't get anything. There's no, literally no repercussions. If I went and I, you know, accused you of doing something, Caleb, and it turns out that you didn't do it, I get no repercussions for that. 
Well, I thought there was because it's if if I'm if because just not being as you know not being found guilty is not the same as being proven innocent. Um, Correct. So like if I'm found not guilty, yeah, there's no repercussions for you. But if I it becomes proven that I did that nothing happened and that you lied, I do think there would be some repercussions because there would be you know false police report, maybe perjury if you took this to trial, um, so things like that. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. I don't recall any woman getting anything for her falsely accusing the, someone. Didn't the Google cross woman get in trouble for that? I thought she actually did face legal charges. I mean, I hope so, but it's very rare if it happens. Um, well, the reason it's rare though, is, is, is a lot of times people may be found innocent, but they're not that again, innocent doesn't mean proven innocent. So it, it's, I, I I understand your point with the Deshaun Watson case. I don't think I'll, I'll give you this. I don't think the NFL should ban him from the league. I, I, I I'm just yeah. saying me personally, I wouldn't have signed him, I guess. Um, well, yeah, because you don't want that publicity, like the publicity yeah. around and it. I, and, and I don't blame me for that. And I think where there's smoke, there is some sort of fire in this case. Did you but, see all yeah. the masseuses that came out in support of him? I did not actually. Yeah, there was like 20 people and they put their name on it. They put their Um, name on being in support and saying that this is, they've massaged him and and this is not, you know, a thing and that these people are crazy. Like there's no way. And then some of them, I mean, it's just looking at something where the, the bodies pile up, for lack of a better word, it's always fishy to me. Like, it's always one of those things where it's just like, you know, because in this situation, if even if he's innocent, how is he going to prove that? How do you okay. prove that? That's fair. Um, all, all I'll say is I, I, I'm on your side and I, I guess I'm on your side with the NFL shouldn't do anything. But I think I think mainly my thought my position on that is if you're mad at the NFL, you, I will agree with you on this. If you're mad at the NFL, you should be mad at the legal system. And that's, that's for, exactly my point. That's that's for players across the board. I said that with Ray Rice, you know, when they suspended Ray Rice for two games and then they came back and suspended him for the year for the tape. I'm like, why are you guys wondering about what how Roger Goodell handled the tape and not how the Atlantic City or New Jersey police handled this? And yeah. so, well, they can't press. Char- I mean, they can't really hold him, you know, accountable if, if the female refuses to press charges and his wife did refuse right. to press charges for him. But. With that being said, it's like I'm always and I've always been a firm believer in you are innocent until you're proven guilty. And that's our that's our just our justice system. That's our legal system. You are innocent until you're proven guilty. I don't like in this, I feel, cancel culture world um, where you are guilty until you're proven innocent. I think that that's I think it's that's too far. I don't I don't believe in that. I think you should be innocent until you're proven guilty. And I get Smoky Mountain Rad said, who has that many different masseuses? I have. You I have, have 66 masseuses? I've probably had. In a matter different. of years? Yeah. Okay, look. Get get a membership at Massage Envy or something like that. And you try to get in with the same massage therapist every time. Okay. All it. right. That's fair. I know nothing about it. I don't get massages. I probably should because I carry a lot of stress. Um, yes. But, I wear my I wear my uh, shoulders like earrings is what somebody says. So <laughs> I mean, there's a billion and plus. Think of it, Deshaun Watson. If he's getting a massage before a game, how many away games do the NFL 
you know, in eight. the NFL, how many do you eight? So if you're getting a massage, guarantee you probably can't get the same masseuse multiple times that week. If you're going to a away game, there's a couple of days. He's an athlete. How many times do athletes get massages? A lot. There's a reason why it's like sports medicine. That's a big thing in sports medicine. So you can't have one masseuse for the team. And right before a game, they're supposed to massage 50 people. Okay. You know what I mean? All right. No, I I got you. Um, I'm not uh... saying some unsavory stuff didn't happen. I'm not saying he's innocent either. I'm just saying. He hasn't been proven there's, innocent or guilty. There's no, saying. yes. You ha- you can't be guilty until you're proven innocent. I think well, I think we're saying the same thing then here. Because I guess where I was getting at is, I, I'm with you. I didn't mean the NFL should ban him. I'm just, yeah, I, I, I would be uncomfortable if I were a Browns fan, if he were my quarterback. I, I'm just going to be honest. Um, you know, it's um, just like I would have been, um, you know, but um I guess getting back to recruiting because that's a, yeah, we went way off. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that um, you know, speaking of Heupel and his system, what we were talking about, I don't think Heupel needs top five classes to win at Tennessee. Um, um, just in case people are wondering, he's he is up for a new Coach of the Year award. Um, I think it's the Bear Bryant Coach of the Year award. Um, so, that's a good one. Yep, it is. It absolutely is. Uh, I'm trying to see the Bear Bryant Coach of the Year finalist. Um, but it looks like Sonny Dykes at TCU. That's a good one. Willie Fritz at Tulane. That's a really good one. Um, you know, you know my problem with Coach of the Year, Amanda, and what's always been my problem is it hard to measure. Yes, and the way people, the way the media voters measure it, half the time is to provide them cover to pretend to cover for themselves for not doing proper research on a team. And so I'm saying this with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan right now. They put Jim Harbaugh in in this category. They did that because they were all so certain Michigan would lose to Ohio State this year. And they didn't do their research on Michigan as a football team. And that's why they have Jim Harbaugh in there. Hypel, I get it. Because no matter how much research you did, no one saw Tennessee going 10-2 and and beating Alabama this year. Nobody. Um, Willie Frick. That's true. You did predict it. You did, I but you did not predict it Alabama. I did not. I predicted Georgia, but I did get one, you know, big team, and I did say ten and two. I guess I got to Amanda. You're right. You, you did say ten and two. It ended, it ended up ten and two. So yeah. uh, Amanda should be the media predictor of the year. <laughs> and um, um, cast your so, vote. But <laughs> but I, I I understand why you would not expect them Tennessee to do what it did I understand that I understand Willie Fritz at Tulane who saw them going what they won the American you know over UCF Cincinnati they you know they and so Willie Fritz at Tulane I get that um I even get Sonny Dykes at TCU no one saw them going undefeated and quite honestly Sonny Dykes coaching is half the reason they were undefeated because they should have lost like six games this year (laughs) and so well yeah either him or Duggan I, you don't, them, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out in years to come who, who's really to right. credit that. I mean, maybe yeah, my, a combo. My, my rant of coach of the year was, I, I go back to 1998 and that was Fulmer one coach of the year, David Cutcliffe on the Boyles award, which was assistant coach of the year. And that was because Peyton Manning left the year before Leonard Little left the year before Marcus Nash left the year before and the entire media just wrote Tennessee office saying they were in a rebuilding year. 
did no research whatsoever on the recruiting they'd been doing at the time on the young stars that were on the 97 team. And so I am just, I, I got to be honest. I, I, I think they gave Fulmer the award in 98 to cover for themselves for not doing any research on Tennessee that year. Um, because that 98 team, the story goes, oh, they gelled more as a team than 97 and they came together. That 98 team was loaded with talent. I mean, loaded with talent. And so that's ever since then, I thought the coach of the year award is just half the time, just stupid. I mean, I agree with that. I, I also think it's a, it's a lot of the problems that I have with a lot of these awards is that you don't do your due diligence like the Heisman. It's it's who's who catches your eye at the at the last second, you know, who's in the in the news the last second or it's who's coaching the best team. You know, who's who's going to win the who's going to win the national title. Let's go ahead and give their coach the best, you know, best coach of the season or the year. My thing with that is, is how many times is Nick Saban going to win it? How many times are you going to give it to Kirby Smart? Like, I understand that they're, you know, they're great coaches and, and I'm not saying they're not the best or whatever, but I think this award should be given to other coaches who have taken less than what they should you know, taking not the best talent or whatever and turned it into something great. Nick Saban doesn't do that anymore. It's the best talent in in the in the nation. Number one recruiting class for a reason. Kirby Smart, same way. They're not taking talent that is just, you know, here's a bunch of, you know, here's some scraps, see what you can do. They have top-tier talent. So for them to take top-tier talent and just turn it into another you know, 11 and one or 12 and zero or national title or whatever. I get it. I get that they're great coaches, but we know that <laughs> let's look at somebody like the coach for Tulane who's taken, you know, not such great talent and turning it in and making them play as a team. Cause that's really where the coaching comes in. You know, the talent plays for itself for the most part. I mean, I, I understand you got to coach it, but it's still, you saw Alabama and Bryce Young, won probably four of the games that they shouldn't have just because Bryce Young's so talented. You know, yeah, Bill O'Brien did not do anything for Alabama. No, he Made did it worse. Made it worse. And, and, and that's the trick of coach of the year too, is that um, you're right. It's like, is it, do you judge it, judge it? Like, like Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are great coaches, but what they do as coaches is more of a conglomerate, you know, what they're doing over a three, four-year period of recruiting, developing. So to do coach of the year, when coaching, when a national championship or a successful season that a coach has, there's so many factors beyond that one year that went into that successful season is so hard and tricky. And so I, I'm probably with you. I think the coach of the year should be, you know, that to me, coach of the year, I'm, I'm actually totally on your side. It should be who do you think – what team do you think is way less talented than its record indicates? Exactly. <laughs> and, and so the media has to own that they're – that they think this team is not as talented. And you're right. Ed Orgeron won Coach of the Year in 2019. Ed Orgeron. That LSU team was loaded with talent. I mean, you and I could have coached that team to the national championship yeah. that year. We would be <laughs> so, less involved in, with co-eds, that's for sure. Oh, exactly. Yes. We would have had less drama. Uh, that's, mm -hmm. that's very true. No, no pictures of, I, I would never have any pictures like that out there. <laughs> so, it's not a good look. Um, but 
by the way, and that's the proof of it. Ed Orgeron could just, I don't know if he was hanging around the co-eds after the national title or if it was happening before, but if it was happening before, again, he was a mascot for that team. He wore the LSU shirt, went to the press conference and said, go Tigers. Yeah, literally could have said anything at the press conferences because nobody knows what he's saying. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, who that, that that was just ridiculous. And yeah, the same was true with Tennessee in 98. That team was loaded with talent. There was no coach of the year that was deserving for Fulmer that year. And so I, I, I agree. I, I think the coach of the year award, it's so random how it goes. I think it should be. Lazy. I don't think this. I'm sorry. It's lazy. It's lazy. I think the real coach of the year is you should look at the team, look at the potential draft picks, who you think is going to the draft, who you think has all American talent and say, I don't think that team is as good as their record indicates based on the talent they have. I don't think Tulane has anybody going to the NFL and they went 10 and two or 11 and two. So I got Willie Fritz as coach of the year. That's how you should look at it. That is a smart way to do it because I just, again, stop giving the Heisman to the best player on the best team for or like honoring people like Stetson Bennett. You're the leader of Georgia. You didn't deserve to be in there. No offense, Stetson Bennett. Good for you. Great story. Yada, yada, yada. Just, you're not you're not that that good. No offense against Stetson Bennett. You didn't deserve to be there. Stop giving it to the the player that you see the most in the media. Stop doing that. Like do your due diligence, look at players, look at who they have surrounding them and look at who makes their team better. Do it with the coaches too. Stop giving it to the coach of the of the best team based on they had so much talent. Georgia has so much talent. Stop giving it to Kirby Smart. Alabama has so much talent. Stop giving it to Nick Saban unless they do something remarkable. I'm sorry. Georgia did not do anything remarkable this season. Nothing about any of their wins was remarkable. I mean, let's be honest. They were good. They played too close to a lot of teams that they should have beaten a, by a lot. Kentucky's one of them. That That's not a, a great coaching triumph. Triumph. That is literally you have the best talent who beat the other team. Give it to somebody like you're talking two lanes head coach that there you are. You know, you right. you've taken not the greatest pile and you've made it into a team. Mm-hmm. That's or, that's exactly who I think. Or also Sonny Dykes, I would go just and I know you say Max mm-hmm. Duggan, but I would say that you know, I would say relative to the talent on TCU, I don't think they have I don't think they're the fourth most talented team in the Big Twelve honestly. So to go undefeated and win the big 12 uh, or not win the big 12, but to go 12 and one in the big 12. Uh, yeah. Says something. But, I would do, I mean, Josh Heupel, I think would also get the nod. I would be okay yeah. with him getting the nod because again, he inherited a dumpster fire at Tennessee. It was a dumpster fire. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. It was that Pruitt. It was a dumpster fire and look what he's done in such a short amount of time. You know, they were going to the playoffs they would have gone to the playoffs had whatever happened against South Carolina not had happened. Not had Jeremy happened. Banks not caught feelings, and yeah, yeah, like homeboys mad about. And I, I would say that is Josh Heibel though more like a I don't mean recruiting, but more isn't it more of a conglomerate thing like a culture he's built than just what he did this year? Because I think the success of this year really comes down to how Josh Heibel turned around the program when he took over. Yeah, the only reason which- I say that is. Is that, which makes good, him a good coach, which makes him oh, the I best agree. coach. Yeah. Right. But but yeah, that's what I'm saying. How do we do coach of the year? Because that's like just coach of the last of the of the two years, you know what I mean? As opposed to coach who like this specific year, 
who elevated them beyond their talent. I, I was around, I, I was on board with Hypo. And then I think more in my head, I'm thinking, I mean, we both agree that Hendon Hooker has NFL potential. He's going to be, have to be developed a little bit. There's going to be a learning curve. I don't think he's going to be able to start right away, but I think he could be an NFL quarterback. Um, Depends. He's got to, he's got to work out some of those throws. And he he's also got to be able to be more, do more than what he's doing now because Heupel's offense is is very easy as on a quarterback to run. You know, get is. rid of the ball quick. You're going yeah. to one person. So he's got a lot of, of work cut out for him. Oh, I do want to say that Ron Slay was brought to you by um, Zach England, a best in Brock. Um, Zach's got your back. You know, any kind of fi- or financial any kind of legal needs that you need, go to Zach England. They they work to protect you. They work to, you know, figure everything out for you because I know that there are some times when you have to have a lawyer and it's not good. Don't like it. But go to Zach England at Best and Brock. He brings Ron Slay to you every Wednesday. Just had to say that. Okay. <laughs> totally fine. All um, right, Caleb, anything else on this lovely Wednesday? Nope. Bulls are in two days. They start in two days. Yay. Meaningless bulls that absolutely do nothing. But hey, they're fun to watch if you're a better. Guys, I'm sorry. If you, if you like to bet, the, these really, really crappy bulls are some of the most fun ones to watch. Well, you know what? It's it's somebody's bull game. So somebody's playing their heart out out there. And that's okay. And to end the show, Mike Leach should be in the Hall of Fame. Yay. Okay. Thank you. It has been a great time today. We will see you tomorrow at 8.30 for Amanda LaFrada and Caleb Calhoun. This is Off the Hook Sports.